Welcome to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with photographer Joe Torino. Joe is a Los Angeles-based editorial and commercial photographer with a focus in environmental and celebrity portraiture. Joe has photographed everyone from Snoop Dogg, Bill Maher, Floyd Mayweather, and Steve-O, to name a few. He has worked with clients such as ESPN, Fortune, Ruka Clothing, and Variety Magazine, to name a few. Joe is a photographer whose work I've been looking at for years, um, since I was in college, actually. Um, So I was really excited to get a chance to speak with him, kind of hear more about his experience and everything he's done within photography. So I hope you enjoy it, and thanks so much for listening. All right. Well, uh, Joe Torino, uh, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thanks for taking the time to do this, man. Of course, man. Happy to be here. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of this podcast and I'm, I'm very flattered to be on. Yeah, definitely. I was excited to talk to you because I'm a fellow RIT grad and I've been following your work since I was going to school there. So definitely excited to talk to you about everything you've done within photography. Um, but I guess just to kind of start off, I was kind of curious about, uh, I saw you recently shot for Fortune magazine. It seemed like an interesting article. It's called Bird Catchers. Uh, I was wondering if you could uh, talk a little bit about that uh, recent assignment you did. Yeah, that, that was that was a super cool one. Um, Fortune hit me up and, and asked me if I wanted to go follow this guy around. Uh, I, honestly, I didn't even, I, I don't live near Santa Monica, uh, so I didn't really know, like, how crazy these bird scooters are. Like, they're everywhere. Like, you go to Santa Monica, there's thousands of these things everywhere you look. And uh, so, you know, the, the, the editor from Fortune said, you know, you want to go photograph this guy who does bird catching and i i thought she really meant like he catches birds and i was like oh sick you know (laughs) but then like then like you know i look a little closer she's talking about scooters i'm like what the fuck so uh um yeah so i end up hooking up with this guy i meet him at like 7 30 and he's like yeah he's like okay so we're gonna kind of get ready and he's like he kind of looked like he was getting ready to go to war like he's like we gotta we gotta be on this you know and it was kind of a cool assignment for me too, because it was a little more documentary than, than my normal thing. So mm-hmm. it was really like on the go, you know, I had to keep my lighting gear pretty minimal and we weren't doing many very like setup stuff. It was more just like rushing around with this guy. Cause at nine o'clock dude, like the, the shit hits the fan in, in Venice. Like there's like 50 of these dudes in trucks, just all racing against each other, trying to grab as many of these scooters as they can. And honestly, like, I, it, it, we didn't run into any trouble, but I think at some point soon, especially like as this gets more popular, like people are going to start like fighting and, you know, it might get violent because yeah. these guys are all trying to like yeah. make a living and it's. <laughs> and for like people listening, like what is a bird scooter? Because I, I know what they are. I think they're pretty popular like in on LA, San Francisco, New York, but I guess for people that maybe live like not in those cities, like what is a bird scooter? For sure. It, it's like, it's like the Uber of scooters it's like they're doing it in places where like you know people don't need to go very far but they don't want to get an uber so you 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 just grab one of these scooters and they're literally like you can walk a half a block and there's going to be two or three just laying on the ground a lot of people don't like them because they look like you know it's kind of like garbage everywhere Mm. but you just grab one and if you have the app you pay like i think it's like eight bucks for an hour or something like that and you can cruise wherever you want to and uh, the thing is, like, the idea from Bird originally was to to just have people charge them at night. Like, and they just figured people in Venice, you know, you saw a couple in your front yard, you grab them, you get 
you know, you get five bucks per scooter. Wow. So you make some money for, for the evening, you know, like you, you pay for your dinner or whatever. Yep. But of course, you know, you, you have guys who look at that and they're like, Hmm, what if I get 60 of them? You know, I can make like 400 bucks tonight. So Damn. you have these, these dudes just rolling around with trucks all fighting each other for these scooters. So it was one of those things where like, I had no idea this even existed 24 hours before I got the call. And then all of a sudden I'm riding around with this dude. And I mean, it was in Venice and Venice has some pretty sketchy areas, you know? So yeah. we're like cruising through alleyways and I've got, you know, whatever, $5,000 worth of camera gear around my neck. There's, there's some times where I was a little nervous, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was a cool story. And that's what I always love about this job is, you know, just, just finding yourself in weird situations being like, damn, dude, this is, this is sick, you know? And, and, uh, it was a fun one. I, I hadn't worked for them in a little while, so it was a cool job. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And like with stories like that, cause like you said, it was like more documentary. You had some like portrait stuff, but like, how do you make, how do you make that look interesting? Because when you, on when you read about it, it's just like, Oh, this guy just charges scooters. Like what's, how's the challenge to like make that like visually interesting? Like, did you kind of go with a plan of like how you wanted to like tell this story or how do you kind of approach it? I guess. Yeah, that, that one was weird because, I mean, normally I can do some research, but there's really not a lot of photos of these guys doing this stuff. So mm. I kind of just went, you know, like on the fly, like just I figured, you know, if I have my my, you know, flashes and I could I could make something happen if I had to as far as setting something up. But first, I just wanted to see how it all worked. Yeah. And like you said, originally, it's just him standing around, like going up to these scooters and checking to see because you have to check and see if they're available to take home and charge. So it's just a guy looking at scooters with, with his <laughs> with his phone, you know? So, uh, it wasn't super visually interesting, but, you know, I figured if we spent enough time and, uh, we'd get something and then, you know, we were in a pretty sketchy alleyway at the very end. And I said, you know, he had grabbed like five or six of them. I'm like, how many of those things can you carry at once? And he piled a whole bunch of them together. (laughs) And then that's when we got the shot that opened the story. And, uh, it just so happened, you know, right as I was shooting it, a cop car came behind him and had their you know headlights on. And it just kind of made the the photo all come together. And, you know, yeah. you, you kind of got to go in loosely and just expect, you know, you can make something happen. And uh, and it, it worked out. And Fortune was super, super into the photos. And it's it's been a good one. Yeah, no, that was cool. And uh, I guess to go back a little bit, I was kind of curious about, like, where you grew up and, like, um, what are kind of some of your earliest memories of photography? For sure. Um, I grew up in Miami, Florida. Um man, my first earliest memories of photography, like I, uh, I was, I think it was probably junior high. I would go on like school trips and, um, back then, you know, nobody had cell phones or cameras or anything like that. So for some reason I was always the guy with the camera. Like, I don't know where I got the camera. It might've been like just a point and shoot or a disposable camera or something, but I I just remember really liking taking pictures and being the guy who photographed my friends and Mm. stuff like that. And then uh, a couple of years later, which would be when I was like a, a freshman in high school, uh, you know, I feel like in life, there's these moments that change your trajectory of your life. And, mm. and this was a big one for me. Um, my mom started dating a guy and he was a professional photographer. And, uh, I remember she told me that, but I didn't really know what that meant. I just, you know, I kind of knew what people who yeah, took yeah. pictures for a living did. Yeah. But, uh, the more I got to know him and we'd go out to dinners and stuff like that, I realized this is not only a professional photographer, this is a really famous, like amazing photographer. Yeah. And, uh, his name was, his name was Flip Schulke. And, um, he, uh, he's God, his career has been incredible. He was, you know, a photojournalist magazine photographer in the sixties, seventies, all the way up to, to when he passed away in uh, 2000. And, um, 
he uh, he shot God everything. He, he was friends with Martin Luther King Jr. He photographed the civil rights movement. Um, he photographed the Apollo space missions. He was yeah. in Cuba when Castro came to power. JFK, just that, I mean, just crazy shit. And he, he has like and I'm the, hearing... the legendary photos of uh, Muhammad Ali underwater. Like the, some of the most famous portraits I think have been taken of Muhammad Ali was uh, Flip took him, right? Exactly. Yeah, I, I can tell you a story about that photo real quick if you want to. Like, yeah, definitely. Do a flip story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, such a legendary um, guy. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, he he was amazing, and, and the the Muhammad Ali story is, is really cool because he he got that job for Sports Illustrated, and at the time Muhammad Ali was he wasn't even the the heavyweight champion, he was uh, just a guy who he'd won the uh, Olympic gold medal that year. So Sports Illustrated told Flip like go hang out with him, you know, go to the gym with him and stuff like that because he's training to be a heavyweight heavyweight fighter. So Flip met him and and uh, he said that. It was Cassius Clay at the time. He wasn't known as Muhammad Ali. Yeah. And uh, Cassius was asking him a lot of questions. And, you know, Cassius was like, you know, what other stuff do you take photos of? And Flip had just had some photos in Life Magazine. And Life Magazine at the time was the shit, like oh, yeah. the best magazine you could work for, you know? So Flip was like, I've, I have some photos in Life Magazine. And he's like, I shot them underwater because he was a big underwater photographer. And, uh, and um ali was like you know i train underwater you know like uh, i punch underwater it helps my, the speed of my punches go faster <laughs> so flip was like that's an amazing story we need to like do that yeah, <laughs> for yeah. sure so, so uh he he went i think the next day to um Cassius's hotel and they had a pool there and he brought all his dive gear and his underwater housings and uh they shot photos of him punching underwater and stuff and he said in the middle of it Ali just dropped down to the bottom of the pool and did that fighting stance, you know, and that's the iconic photos, yeah. probably the photo that Flip's most famous for. Mm. And uh, the cool thing was like 10 years later, Flip got assigned to photograph Ali again. And now he's the heavyweight champion of the world. You know, one of the most famous people in the world. Mm. And uh, he, he brought a print of the underwater photo and he gave it to Ali to sign. And Ali's like, Oh, I got you with this. And he's like, what do you mean? And he's like, I'd never trained in the underwater in my life. <laughs> he, he basically like, it just shows you the genius of Muhammad Ali. Like Flip had mentioned, you know, he had some photos in life magazine and Ali instantly just came up with this total lie, basically saying he trains underwater. <laughs> He'd never trained underwater in his life. His manager was super scared because he didn't even think Ali could swim. Holy shit. <laughs> and like, but, but, he knew like especially in boxing like getting your name out there is everything and he's like maybe i can get this guy from life magazine to get my photos in there you know so he he, he instantly came up with that idea and it, was, it was brilliant i mean that that man was like yeah, yeah something else you Damn, know? that's pretty amazing and i guess like once you kind of met flip was he kind of teaching you more about photography or how did that kind of go for you yeah, it was, it was, you know, my mom, you know, became more and more serious with him and I was hanging out with him. And, and I mentioned to him, like I said, like earlier, I, I really enjoyed photography and he's like, you know, you should, you should try coming with me on a couple jobs. And, you know, he's like, I'll lend you one of my cameras and you, know, you can take some photos and we'll process them. He had his own dark room in his house and he's like, you know, we'll see, see what you can do. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I went with him on a couple jobs and I shot some photos and, and we went and, you know, made contact sheets and prints and stuff. Mm. And, um, he he saw something there it was crazy i remember him telling me right away like you've got a talent for this you know you might want to take it a little more seriously so you know i think that was i was still a sophomore in high school so i started taking all the photography classes i could in high school and just shooting you know 
my friends skateboarding and, you know, girls I liked. And uh, it was a lot of portraiture, you know, like the stuff I like now. I, I think I was doing a lot of portraits of athletes, like the, the football players and stuff like that. Mm. And um, at the same time I was doing that, I was also helping flip out. I didn't go on too many other shoots, but I was like printing his contact sheets for him and stuff like that. And just learning the processes in the darkroom. Yeah. And um, I, I think also around that time, he was kind of opened me up to like, the classics of photography, you know, teaching me about, you know, Walker Evans and Lee Friedlander and Gary Winogrand and Robert Frank, like all the black and white street photographers. So he's kind of opened me up to that and I was getting more and more into it. And, uh, yeah. So, so he was the one who really kind of first, you know, opened my eyes to photography. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And I guess, when did you think like start thinking like this could be a career for you? Cause I know you ended up going to RIT where I went to school. Um, did you kind of like later in high school, did you think you were going to go to school for photography or when did that kind of come in the mix for you? Yeah, it was, it was, you know, around that time I was, I was doing it a lot and I was spending so much time with Flip in the dark room. And, and I, I think he, he just took me aside and said, you know, you ever thought about this as a career? And I mean, I guess I kind of had because, you know, his career seemed so amazing, but he also had told me that, you know, like photojournalism as he did it is kind of not the same anymore. This is, you know, the mid nineties. It wasn't, it wasn't like how it used to be. People wouldn't send you off for three weeks to photograph something, you know? Yeah. So, um, I didn't really know like how it would all work, but he's like, look, he's like, you know, I think you're really talented. And if you're interested in, in really pursuing this and you want to go to a, a photo college he's like i'll help you pay for it which i mean that was a big deal I, I barely knew this guy i was you know only two years into knowing him and he's basically offering to send me to college damn so um you know i was like you know that's amazing yes i'll do that for sure <laughs> <laughs> so uh he was the one that researched colleges and stuff and and uh he came up with rit and i remember he told me he's like there's this place in upstate new york and you know it's a really good photo school it's right next to kodak and yep. you know you, you you should try this place and i was like sure you know but at the time i, I grew up in florida i'd never seen snow <laughs> like i was like it was a shock when i got there man i think i think the first year i was there it was like record temperatures it was like negative 20 like yeah. to the point where you get you get frostbite like <laughs> through your gloves like i remember just being like holy shit, how do people live like this, you know? Yeah, that must have been, but, like, uh, that must have been a big switch going from Miami to Rochester because not only is it, like, cold as shit, but it's just, like, a small city. It's not big. It's pretty much, as you know, like, outside of the downtown Rochester, once you drive, like, 10 minutes out, it's basically just, like, farm fields and nothing, pretty much. Exactly, but it was, it was kind of good for me, I think, in a way. It was actually kind of the perfect school because I was, you know, I, I wasn't, like, a big party guy in high school, but I definitely didn't like, I wasn't concentrating on anything really hard. And then when you get to Rochester, like, like you said, there's nothing to do. So it's like, I just got super into photography and like, you're in the dark room all the time. Cause you don't want to go outside. <laughs> yeah. It made me, you know, it made me concentrate more. And I had, I had a really great photo one teacher, um, Dan Larkin, oh, yeah. uh, you know, he, he really, you know, opened my eyes at where's flip, you know, taught me about like the classics of, you know, all those black and white guys. Dan showed me what was going on in color and that just blew my mind. You know, Nan Golden, mm. William Eggleston and Philip Lorca de Corsica, all these people just doing these amazing things in color. And, and that got me really into color photography and just, you know, I just, I just fell in love with photography. It's all I thought about in college. It was, you know, just, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And then also in school, like I met like all my best friends and people you know that are still like a lot of them are professional photographers now and we bounce ideas off each other and mm -hmm. and it was a great place to you know meet a community of people that you stay in contact with later you know? 
Yeah, definitely. It's like, uh, like I've said it a million times on this podcast, but it's like there's no other time in your life where you're going to be around that many different photographers and just talk about photography all the time. Because like once you get out, as you know, you're everyone's just trying to scramble to find work and kind of build your own thing. So it is a pretty interesting experience, just kind of being in that environment, I guess. Um, yeah, for sure. And, and and you you also meet people that are going to become photo editors that might hire you later on and, and you know, stuff like that. It's, it, you know, I, I'm torn on photo schools, you know, like mm -hmm. it, it's this, this business is very hard and it's very competitive. And, you know, for the most part, you're not going to be a gazillionaire, you know, it, nope. it doesn't pay that great. <laughs> so coming, coming out of college with a hundred grand in debt is not a good idea, you know, especially with assisting and you can, you can actually get paid to learn just as much as you learn in college. Yep. But if you have the mean, if you have the means to do it, like there's, you know, no better place to, you know, you learn, you learn about art history, you learn about things that are going to make you an image maker, you know, not so much about the business, but learn about aesthetics and, you know, art and things like that. And, you know, I, I look back at that time as very important in my life and I just got really lucky, you know, flip really helped me out. I, I think I left RIT with like, you know, five grand in debt or something like yeah. nothing much, you know, yeah. compar compared to what some people can come out of there with. Yeah. And, uh, you you know, so it's hard to say if I would recommend it to someone else unless they really had the money to do it. Yeah, definitely. I don't. It's like I don't think it's a necessity either. Like uh, one of the photographers I interviewed was Gary Land, and he's like one of the most successful commercial guys. Shoots like all the campaigns for like Widen, for like Nike and Reebok and everything. And he didn't even go to college at all. It, to him, it was this. He has like a super passion for photography. This continually shooting, building his portfolio, and like, like you don't need the degree. As you know, has any magazine editor ever asked to see your college degree or resume for hiring you for a job? Never. No way, man. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 I, I think I just put it up actually recently, but it's out of my in my closet for like ten years, like just collecting dust. You know? Yeah, they just look at your portfolio and your work, and that that that's your resume right there. What you can do as a photographer, you know. Um, yeah yeah for sure but so, uh, i mean it, you know everybody everybody has their own own way of doing things and and that was mine and I, i'm thankful for it mm -hmm. and uh you know it, it was it was a good time it was some great years there yeah definitely i agree and i guess once you kind of got out of rat did you kind of have like a goal in mind for the type of photography work you wanted to do like i know um looking at your website and everything you do a lot of like editorial portraiture and like celebrities and whatnot was that kind of your goal at that time when you kind of left RIT or what was kind of your next step? Yeah, I think, it, you know, my, my last couple of years at RIT, uh, I really started looking at magazines and, and seeing like what was being done. You know, I discovered, you know, Dan Winters and, um, you know, all the guys that were shooting for, you know, Texas monthly and Rolling Stone and Esquire and GQ. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it just seemed like that was, that was where I wanted to be. You know, I wanted to do that type of photography, environmental portraiture, and, um, so, you know, I had that goal and I didn't know if I wanted to go to New York or LA. I mean, most people at RIT go to New York, you know, especially at that time, yep. it just felt like, you know, 95% of the class was going to New York city. Mm. And, uh, I remember actually to this day, the, the moment I decided that I didn't want to go, <laughs> I was like, it was like, it was like six in the morning and I had a class or whatever, and I'm scraping, you know, the, the ice off my windshield and it's just <laughs> rigid you know like may negative five or something and and i'm scraping my windshield and then i open my car door and this giant pile of snow just lands on my front 
like my my seat you know yeah. and i just lost it i i threw the scraper at my car and i started <laughs> kicking my car I was like fuck this place <laughs> and uh i think i think right then i decided i can't live anywhere cold anymore and uh you know it, at that time it, it's changed a lot these days but back then if you wanted to be a magazine photographer it was la or new york that's that's where you had to live yeah. so um you know I, I i decided that i wanted to try to move out to la and um i was dating a girl at the time her name is amanda friedman she's also a, a very well-known photographer oh, out yeah. here yeah. and uh I asked her if she wanted to to try LA and she was down. So we decided to to move out West mm. and uh, it was scary, man. We didn't know anybody. I think we knew four people all together. Like we knew, I, I knew two skateboarders that had come out here wow. and we knew like, you know, a couple RIT people and that was it. You know, <laughs> it was, it was, it was a leap of, of faith, you know? Yeah. It's pretty amazing. So when you got out to LA, did you get like straight into shooting or did you do any assisting at all or like how was your what was kind of your first step kind of getting into the photo business i guess yeah we we so like we raced out here like i was so ready to like get my career going like i feel like we crossed the country in like three days like we didn't stop <laughs> and look at anything like i just wanted to get out here and get working hmm. and um i think you know the idea was to assist almost immediately so we went you know back then it wasn't there weren't really websites and stuff so we'd go through like source books and um there was like those american photography books those had like some really amazing photographers and always had their names and addresses in there yeah so we started like writing writing down all these names and addresses of people we wanted to work for and just started hitting them up and um i got assisting pretty quickly i feel like it wasn't it wasn't too long and i assisted some great photographers like um Michael Lewis was the guy I worked for a lot. Um, Carlos Serrao, oh, uh, Art, yeah, Art Stryber, you know, like these, these really amazing photographers, but I have to be honest, like I was a terrible assistant. Like I was so bad. <laughs> why do you say <laughs> like, that? Why do you think I you're, I, I don't know why. Like I honestly, like I can, you know, when it comes to making my photos, I know exactly what to do. I'm fucking super good at it. But when it comes to helping other people make their photos i just i just was never really good at it mm. and uh there's there's actually a a, a kind of famous story about me through the art striber camp um it was i think it was the first time i assisted art and uh i went up he called me over he's about to shoot and he's like hey can you go get me uh an apple box and i guess we had apple boxes at rit but like i never really used them mm. so i didn't know what the hell he was talking about <laughs> like yeah. it's like i i, I I tried to act like I did. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. And then I went up to his his first assistant, this guy Mondo. And I was like, yo, I was like, Art just asked me for a box of apples. I'm really <laughs> confused. Like, why does he need a box of apples? Like, do I got to go to the grocery store right now? And then that dude just starts laughing. And then he goes and tells Art. And Art starts laughing. And I think he still tells the story to, like, his assistants and stuff. But it was it was just, you know, stuff like that. Like, I just I just wasn't. You know, like it, my heart really wasn't in it either. You know, like I, I was so ambitious when I moved out here. Like mm -hmm. I, I liked, I liked meeting these photographers, but I thought I was as good as them and I could do it myself. And, you know, like it yeah. was probably too cocky. I probably could have <laughs> learned a lot more if I spent more time doing it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I was just ambitious and I was really happy with my portfolio when I left RIT. Like mm -hmm. I knew the type of photos I wanted to take. And I had, you know, good examples of them. The problem was they were all pictures of just college kids and yeah. pictures of myself. I did a lot of self portraits back then too. Mm. So, you know, I was, I really wanted to try to get that stuff in front of photo editors. So the whole time I was assisting, I was making promo cards of like my college work and, you know, going to Barnes and Noble and writing down all the editors names and phone numbers and stuff and yeah. sending those out. And, um, 
at the same time, I was like taking my book to um, local magazines. I mean, there's not many in LA, but at the time there was a few and uh, a couple of really cool ones were in Santa Monica. There was um, Ray Gun magazine, which was like oh, a music yeah. magazine that's, that was like amazing. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they had a sister publication called Bikini magazine, which was like kind of like a hipster, like Esquire. It was like a men's magazine, I guess. Mm. Um, and so that was where my first job came from. Uh, a photo editor named um, Tanya Martin called me up from Bikini Magazine and asked me if I wanted to do a photo shoot. And I remember getting that call. I was assisting at the time. And I did like the best call ever, you know, <laughs> your first magazine job. And um, she wanted me to shoot uh, Dee Schneider, who's like the lead singer from Twisted Sister, an 80s band. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wow. So, uh, so she wanted me to take pictures of him and some like lobby of a hotel room. So, uh, or a, yeah, lobby of a building. So I went there and, you know, took photos of him and they actually came out pretty cool. I shot them in front of this painting and the magazine was super happy with them. Mm-hmm. And then immediately, as soon as I got those photos, I put them on a promo card and sent that out to all the, you know, photo editors. Yeah. And, you know, then you're not only this guy who just shoots pictures of your friends. Now you actually got hired from a magazine. So like, you know, other editors see that and they're like, okay, we can trust him to do a shoot, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, from there, I got more jobs and I think my first like really big break was from, uh, the source magazine, which is yeah. hip hop Bible basically oh. back then. Yep. Um, and when they called me like, that was a big deal. Like I grew up listening to hip hop, like, you know, tribe called quest and Wu-Tang clan, like all that stuff I'd listened to and skate videos and stuff. Like I loved hip hop. So when the source called me to go and shoot people, I was ecstatic. And, uh, one of the first, big job they gave me was to shoot this group called the East Siders. Mm. And, um, back then they would like, you didn't really research too much. You kind of just go off what the magazine told you. Cause there, I, there wasn't really internet researching. <laughs> so <laughs> they just told me, they just told me it was this group and it had something to do with Snoop Dogg. I didn't know he was in the band or anything. Or he, they just told me like, there's this group and Snoop Dogg is involved. Damn. So they gave me this address to go to this house and it's out in Chino, which is super far out of LA, out of LA which is, funny because i live there now <laughs> but at the time like i had no idea where this was and i drive up to this house and we get a, it's like a big mansion and there's on the gate there's these two giant dog statues and i think that's when it dawned on me i'm like dude i'm at snoop dogg's house <laughs> this is this is like 2001 or two or something like that like this is when snoop dogg is like one of the top five musicians in the world oh, like yeah. he's so popular yeah so I was like, oh, shit. Like, I I think I had, like, you know, the rush of, like, dude, I'm about to shoot, like, a really, really famous person right now. <laughs> wow, so you didn't, and, realize, um, you didn't realize you were shooting Snoop Dogg until you got there? Until I got there, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> and and uh, so I opened the door, and, like, I remember when I first opened the door, there's a giant, like, Sears portrait of him and his wife and kid, which is hilarious. I wish I shot photos and stuff like that, like, but I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it dawned on me like, damn, this is real. And then, uh, I talked to his, his manager and he's like, yeah, he's like, it's Snoop and two other guys. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, well, the other guys weren't there yet. I was like, can I snoop, shoot Snoop by himself? And I'll shoot the other guys too. Like, uh, someone had told me once, you know, always shoot groups, individuals as well. Cause you never know if the group's going to break up or mm-hmm. whatever. So, um, I remember we were setting up by this gate it's kind of the gate by the back of his house and just, it just had a cool look to it. And I was setting up my lights, but he had a pit bull. He had pit bulls everywhere. There was like three or four of them all around the house. And this one pit bull was like so gnarly. It looked so scary. And it was like trying to bark at us and 
you know, kind of just getting kind of crazy on us. I'm like, dude, is this dog going to kill me right now? And as this dog's barking at me, I hadn't seen Snoop yet. And he just sticks his head out the door. He's like, red, shut the fuck up. And the dog just sits down and be, like, be, just totally got quiet. And I was like, whoa, that was amazing. <laughs> and then, uh, so he came out and I shot some photos with him. And then the dog came in the photos and like, it was crazy how like docile this like dog was around him. And, and that ended up being the photo that was like, I, I use like for my portfolio and to promote and stuff. Mm. And, uh, you know, it was a, a really good shoot. And then it's the same thing. I made that into a promo card. And then once I sent that out, like, you know, all of a sudden I'm shooting, you know, one of the top five biggest people in the country as far as music. Yeah. So, you know, I started getting jobs like crazy after that. I was working for, you know, wired and fortune U S news and world report and, um, spin all these magazines. So that's, that's kind of where, Damn. my career blew up a little bit that's pretty wild just like hustling shooting and sh sending out promos and it's kind of getting your name out there um that's just uh yeah that's just kind of half the job huh this kind of shooting your new work and it's kind of continually showing it is do you still kind of nowadays still send out promos or what's your kind of marketing these days I do, you know, it's changed a bit, you know, like people do email promos and you can, you can hit up people in different ways. And I also have a lot of clients that I've had for years and they call you up for jobs, you know, now that I'm more established. So I don't promote as much as I used to, but mm -hmm. it's still important, you know, and, and, uh, you know, you always, I, I, I feel like the mailing, the mail printed piece still does better than anything else. I mean, it, mm -hmm. it's, you know, the, especially like, you know, at first when Instagram came out, I was like, well, this is a great way to get people instantly to look at your photos. But you put yourself in that, the, the seat of a photo editor, like they're looking at thousands oh, of photos yeah. a day. Like it's so hard to be memorable in that way. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing about a printed piece is they may, you know, put it up on the wall or they may just literally like hold on to it because it's a physical thing. And, and, uh, you know, the, the problem is they're expensive, you know, like everything else is free and they, you know, they can cost a lot of money, but I still try to do at least one or two a year. And, you know, it's cool. I have the old ones all in my garage and it's fun yeah. to like go through them and look at all the things I used to, yeah. used to shoot and stuff. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, when you're first starting out and you kind of started shooting like Snoop Dogg and shooting all these different like musicians, like I think you shot RZA from the Wu-Tang Clan, you've shot like Ice Cube. Um, did it kind of take you a while to get comfortable just kind of photographing these big personalities and things because i know for myself when i first got out of school and like my first couple assignments i was so like anxious i would kind of rush through photo shoots and not not shoot as much as i, I probably should have did it kind of take you out to kind of get comfortable kind of dealing with different productions and kind of your approach to each of these assignments i think so i mean it it was it's so hard to remember back then yeah. I, I like i said i was real. I was overly cocky. So like, <laughs> I really thought, I thought it was the shit and I like, I knew, you know, I could, I could handle it. But looking back at it, I, you know, like I got lucky and, and, you know, it just, a lot of times it was, you know, like Snoop Dogg's manager was really hands off, you know, like a lot of these guys, like it just, it just seemed like I, I found the right people at the right time and, and yeah. they were able to just, you know, um, work with me. And I had some ideas. I always, even early on, I always made sure I had a lot of ideas. So okay. like, you know, they didn't like one thing. I just go to something else mm. and, uh, I'm, I'm pretty personable. I feel like I'm, you know, I, I, I smile a lot, even when I'm unhappy for some reason, I still <laughs> smile and it's disarming. <laughs> and I think people just always kind of, yeah. kind of like me. So mm -hmm. that helped a lot. Yeah. Um, and you know, like I, I can't say it was all perfect. You know, I made a lot of mistakes and probably a lot of that had to do with me not assisting and, you know, mm -hmm. not really knowing what I should be doing, but, 
you know, it worked out. And, and I think it also, it made me be a little more spontaneous and kind of go with the flow. And I think that's important too, not being too rigid, you know, yep. kind of just seeing where things go. Yeah. Definitely. And, um, you know, but, but yeah, I, I, I don't think I, I, I mean, I never shot, you know, Brad Pitt or anybody of that, mm. that magnitude, you know? Yep. So I, I, you know, I didn't really deal with like the, the huge publicity machine, mm-hmm. but, um, for the most part, I, I got lucky. A lot of the editors kind of, they knew what kind of photographer I was and they would hire me to shoot certain type of people that we would get along with. You know, that's what good photo editors do. They match, match photographers with the right subject. And in that kind of situation, you know, I shot a few, you know, like, especially like young actors, like we're like, we just like got along, like we were friends for years, you know, like, you know, have the same taste in music and just, it just, it just works. Yeah. I saw a funny, I remember seeing a photo. I think, I don't know if you used to have a blog or something, but I think, I think you photographed Seth green and there was like a funny story where like you guys did a photo shoot, photo shoot. And then you guys somehow ended up like on a porno set or something. Uh, yeah, that's, that's one of my favorite stories. Yeah. Yeah. What the heck was that? I mean, that, that, that's really like, you know, when I talk about editorial photography, that's, that's the best part about it is you just never know that you find yourself in so many situations where you're like, dude, how did I end up here? You know? And, and that's what I love about this job. There's no job that really is Mm-mm. like it, but yeah, that's definitely one of my favorite stories. So I was shooting Seth, um, for, uh, nylon magazine yep. and I actually had shot him a bunch of times. He's a really, just really awesome guy. And, and, uh, I'd shot him for a few different magazines. We're about the same age, kind of the same thing. Like we like the same music. We just got along. And, and, uh, so I think a lot of times when magazines would want to shoot him, he would recommend me to like, I got hired to shoot him a bunch of times. Wow. And, uh, this one we did in the Valley. Uh, I think it was like a friend of mine's apartment. And, uh, so we were shooting inside and then the end of the day, I wanted to do a photo outside in this parking structure that kind of like overlooked the Valley. It was just a cool looking place. So we were all set up in this parking structure and we had, you know, my lights. I think I was shooting four by five at the time. So my four by five going and all this stuff. Damn. And this dude, sorry, this dude rolls up and he's like, um, Hey, you know, uh, that's my parking spot, you know? <laughs> and so I walked up to him, he's in his car and I was like, dude, I'm sorry. I'm like, we're just doing this photo shoot. You know, can you give me like 10 minutes? I'm like, we're, we're finishing up. We'll be out of here in a second. He's like, yeah, no problem. He's like, is that Seth green? And I was like, yeah, that's Seth green. <laughs> and he's like, you, you think you'd mind coming over to talk to me? And I was like, I don't know. I'll ask him. So like I walked up to Seth and I was like, dude, I was like, this is this guy's parking spot. He wants to talk to you. Can you talk to him just to kind of see if he'll give us a few more minutes here? You know, yeah. he's like, sure. You know, he's super easy going. So he walks over to him and then, uh, I don't know, a couple of minutes later he walks back. He's like, yo, he's like, that dude just told me that he's like working on a porn set, like two houses down. He wants to know if we want to come watch. And I was like, I was like, dude, I'm, I'm into it. If you are, and he's like, sure, let's do it. <laughs> so we just wrapped, we wrapped the photo shoot right there. And, uh, we packed up all our gear and it was like me, my assistant, um, makeup artist, and Seth, we all walked over to this, this house where they're form- filming a porno. <laughs> so we, we, we walk in the door and immediately the first thing we see is this dude just standing there naked, just like fluffing himself. And I'm like, Oh my God, dude, this is nuts. And like the people, the people on the porn set are just as shocked. Cause like this famous actor just walked into their porn set. So they're like, everyone's just, what the hell, you know? So then, uh, the director, you know, talked to us a bit and he's like, look, you guys can watch, but you got to go watch out on the balcony. 
Yeah. Um, because you, you'll be in our shot. So like we go out on the balcony and we're just kind of watching this and I'm taking, this is again, before cell phones, so I'm taking selfies with like my point and shoot just so this is like the most hilarious thing I've ever oh, been I remember, part of. I remember the photos. It was like you and Seth this like dying laughing or something in the selfies. It was, it's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And it, to this day, that's my favorite selfie of myself. I'll, uh, I'll, when this comes out, I'll post it on my Instagram. Okay. Account yeah, yeah that'd, be, that'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, it is interesting. That is the fun thing about editorial is this, like, like you said, you never know what you're going to run into. Like you can have a plan for the shoot, but you kind of, you show up and you never know where things are going to go, you know? Um, is that, is that kind of why you like shooting editorials? Is kind of the excitement of it pretty much? Oh yeah, that was, that was totally it. You know, uh, especially like, you know, back in the day when I, I, you know, I still have a pretty wide variety of clients, but like, you know, like, like I said, I'd I'd be on a porn set with Seth Green and then two days later I'd be at NASA for Wired or like, you know, like Mm -hmm. just all these like crazy things that you'd never get to experience. And it's cool because you get to experience them just for a day and try to make cool photos and go do something else. And, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, if it was up to me, I'd, I'd do this job, you know, as long as I, as I can, it's hard because the magazine industry, you know, not what it used to be back in the day. Like you could, you know, magazines would hire you for a story and fly you to like seven cities, you know, but it it doesn't happen as much anymore, but I'm Mm. still trying to get as many as I can because it's, it's really the best job. Yeah, definitely. And are there like any shoots that you can think of, like looking back that were like, uh, maybe like particularly challenging, either like the person was difficult to shoot or I don't know, this is the situation. Cause like, how do you deal? Cause I'm sure sometimes you run into it where you're trying to shoot a portrait of someone and they're just not really into it. How do you kind of deal with those situations if they kind of arise? Has that kind of ever happened to you? Um, yeah, um, that's going to be tough to think of. <laughs> I know, it's a tough question, but I guess just in general, like how do you deal with those situations where obviously you're trying to take the best portrait you can, but sometimes people maybe this aren't into it. How do you kind of deal with tough personalities, I suppose? For sure. I mean, you know, it, it, it really is just trying to, I try to make it, you know, when I can tell somebody's not into it, I try to just make it as fun and as quick as possible because, you know, for the most part, people don't want to sit there for hours having their picture taken so you know the best thing you can get is when you have somebody who really wants to collaborate and enjoy the photo shoot but a lot of times people don't you know the, especially you know ceos and, and people who are really busy mm. and in that case it's just like you know have an idea try to make it as quick as painless as you can i try to chat people up you know i, I talk about what they're into non you know not about the photo shoot but just in life in general yeah and um you know it's just about making people feel comfortable and uh i feel like i'm pretty good at that you know um mm. just disarming people as much as i can yeah. and there have been you know definitely some shoots here and there where i've had some trouble but but I tend to forget those ones. I, I only remember the ones that were yeah. <laughs> easy and good. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's smart. And, you know, one thing I kind of always ask people, because I'm curious about it, um, did it kind of take you a while to kind of build, like, your aesthetic or photographic style? Um, like, I know looking at your work, it seems like you, you enjoy working with strobes and things like that. Um, have you kind of always shot, like, in that style? Is it something you're kind of conscious of? Like, do you, think, do you think it's important to have, like, a distinct style to your work when you're trying to work commercially and, like, editorially? It is, it is definitely important. I mean, it's, you know, I actually, especially as, as in this day and age, I think it's more and more important. Cause like I said, like, you know, editors are seeing so many photos and, you know, they have 
whatever, 15 jobs to give out a month and they need to think of you and they need to be able to think of you, you know, like this is what this person does, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I know I've thought of it over the years, but I've also, I'm always scared of being pigeonholed into like this guy does this type of lighting or something like that. And it's probably a detriment. I probably should have worked on it more. I thought it would come naturally. You know, I figured if I just shot things the way I like to shoot them, that I would naturally have a style that would come through. And I, I think that has happened, Yeah. but you know, there's definitely something to be said for having, you know, like, okay, this is my one mm. set safe thing that I'm going to do on every shoot. So they make sure they get, you know, a Joe Torino photo. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I don't, I think early on, I definitely didn't do that. If all of a sudden I felt like shooting natural light, I just did. And that probably hurt me sometimes, you know, I'm sure like some editors are like, Whoa, this isn't what I expected. And, yeah. you know, you, you probably do want to have something like that. And, and, uh, you know, I probably should have thought about it more mm-hmm. later on, but, you know, I think looking at my stuff now, I think overall a, a vision has come through of what I wanted to do. And, yeah. and, you know, it, but it's also changing, you know, like, I don't think you want to, you know, shoot the exact same photo constantly. Like right now, like I'm really into black and white. Like I haven't been into black and white in years, but like there's some guys out there that have just really been blowing me away with black and white work. Um, one is, uh, Philip Montgomery. He shoots for time all the time. Yeah. He, uh, he shoots, you know, this kind of black and white lit up documentary style that dude, I love it. And, mm. you know, it's it made me realize like how amazing black and white work is. So I think, uh, you know, when I have a little more free time, I, w- I want to try to do uh, a personal project that's, that's all black and white because I haven't done that in, you know, 10, 15 years. And, you know, you, you always want to challenge yourself, but you do, you got to be known for something, you know, you got to be able to, you know, yeah. stick into somebody's mind for doing something. Yeah, I think it's smart, like you said, this kind of shoot the way that kind of comes natural to you and like what you enjoy. Um, like I've had this conversation with a lot of people, especially with like editorial nowadays, people are probably sick of me talking about this. But uh, I've seen like so much gel work uh, in the last like five years or so. And uh, like a lot of people jump on that bandwagon and maybe to hopefully get work. But I think at the end of the day, at least the thing that I I think I've learned time to do this is just like you got to shoot what you like the way you want to shoot it and just put it out there. Hopefully people like it Um, because like at the end of the day, if you try to cater to everyone, you'll cater to nobody pretty much, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, it, the trends are going to come and go and, and, you know, it's, it's just about, like you said, that's what's great about personal work is there's no bounds. You can do whatever you want with it. And then, you know, magazines love to see personal work and maybe they'll hire you to do something like that and you can kind of switch it up a little bit, yeah. but you do, you, you do got to have, you know, a certain style. You know, what's funny about that gel thing. Yeah. I remember this right now. You know, gels in the 80s were, I, mean, I guess, like late 80s were really, really popular. And then yeah. when I first started working for, for uh, Wired Magazine, I remember it said on their call sheets, no gels. <laughs> like literally said no gels. <laughs> they didn't want people doing gels. Yeah. And then, you know, they're back. And, you know, I, I appreciate it. I, I, you know, I look at all these people doing all kinds of stuff and I, I mm. like what they're doing. But you got to figure out if it's something you like and you're interested in. And, and uh, But yeah. that's, you know, personal work, I think, is where you really can test test boundaries yeah definitely like like i'm not against gels by any means i think it's just like uh just do it if that's what you like like not just because you think like because you can kind of you can read through it when someone's just trying to do it to do it um but it is interesting to see all those different photo trends and uh you know one you were talking about personal projects one that i was interested in talk to you it's on your website pretty heavy stuff uh it was i think you photographed your wife who was going through some uh, medical, I don't know if it's called endro, how do you say, endometriosis? 
Yeah, endometriosis. Yeah, that was that was pretty. I mean, I've never really shot anything that personal, and that really, I mean, that 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 really was a project that didn't come around. I didn't think about photography at all, as far as like you know, putting it on my website or anything. It really was just me trying to deal with the situation we found ourselves in because it was it was really, really gnarly, really quickly. <laughs> yeah, because what, um, what is what is endometriosis? I'm probably butchering the pronunciation, but what, what yeah, is it? It's all good. I I learned about it very quickly. So. <laughs> Um, it's actually a pretty common disease. A lot of women have it. A lot of women have it and it, they're not diagnosed with it because they don't understand what it is and what they're feeling. But, um, it's, it's when the endometrial, endometrial tissue, which is the, the tissue that's in your uterus starts growing outside of your uterus and it can become incredibly painful. Yeah. And, um, a lot of times, you know, like, uh, my wife had my, our son, which is actually, when you have it, it's, it's usually pretty hard to get pregnant, but, but she luckily enough was able to get pregnant. Mm. And a couple of years after she had our son, she started having just terrible pain and we couldn't figure out what was doing it. And then, um, you know, some doctors, a lot of doctors don't really understand it or know about it. And we found, you know, a, a few doctors that really knew what was going on. And she had a very advanced case where it can actually make your organs inside your pelvis kind of Jeez. stick together and adhere together. Good. And uh, within a year, she went from being, you know, just totally normal to literally not being able to get out of bed to walk to the bathroom. Like she was in so much pain. Yeah. And, um, you know, during that time, our life just got put on hold and uh, we were trying to, you know, figure out ways to get her into specialists, mm -hmm. you know, it, it to the real way to to fix endometriosis when it's that bad is you need a specialist to do a very intricate surgery where they cut the disease away from your organs, which is very dangerous. Yeah. So we're trying to find specialists that do that and, you know, health insurance. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm freelance. So, you know, my health insurance sucks. So we're trying to find a way to like pay for that and all that shit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the only way I could think to deal with this, I, I had a talk with my wife and I was like, you know, can I photograph you during this? It, it kind of helps me, especially when we we're getting close to her having the surgery because I was so stressed out. Yep. And I was like, I think it'll make me feel better. And at the same time, we had, you know, researched endometriosis a lot and it was very common, but it hadn't been photographed very much. Mm. And I was like, you know, this might be something that we could, you know, put out there at some point and, you know, show people what it looks like and, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. So, um, you know, right before her surgery, I started photographing her. And it was, I mean, I've never, never photographed anything so personal and, you know, a lot of times to really show what was going on, she would be, you know, crying her eyes out, screaming in pain. And I'm not comforting her. I'm taking pictures, which yeah. is really hard, really hard to do. But I knew, you know, it, it was something that could be very important. And then, you know, we put it out there. I put it on Instagram, which, you know, like I'd never put anything that personal on Instagram. And it, we, you know, we had a discussion about it and mm -hmm. she thought it was a good idea. Mm -hmm. And the you know, the, the response we got back, I mean, I was getting hit up from, you know, women in England and Australia saying, you know, wow. to see a visual of like what I'm going through is so comforting. And, you know, it was, it was really amazing. It, it, it helped both of us get through it. And, um, you know, I ended up getting contacted by InStyle magazine and they wanted to do an article about it and they had my wife write it wow. because, um, you know, it is, it's, it's getting more and more, doctors are starting to realize that a lot of women have this mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, it, they wanted to bring it to light. So, you know, that was, that was, 
it was pretty cool. You know, at the time, like I said, I didn't, I didn't think of it as a project. It was just a way for me to cope. But, yeah. you know, in general, I was like, man, I, I'd like to do more stuff that, you know, it just felt like it meant something after shooting all these, you know, celebrities and musicians. Mm-hmm. It was something that really probably, probably helped some people, you know? Yeah, definitely. Cause I would imagine like, like you said, you're getting emails from people around the world. It's like, I would imagine people are dealing with this. They probably feel lost and they don't know what to do. And any glimpse of other people dealing with it probably, like you said, kind of helps them some comfort at the end of the day, hopefully. Um, but yeah, cause the photos were, they were powerful, man. Uh, I've never shot anything personal like that, but it's a uh, pretty amazing stuff. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It, it's, it's, something i'm very proud of yeah definitely and uh is like you know obviously you're shooting editorial and commercially like i know you've shot like commercially for like ruka the clothing company you got all your editorial clients um but is it still important for you to kind of take time to shoot photos for yourself because uh, looking at your website you got some cool projects up there man there's one i was hoping to talk to you about it's this you photographing people vaping uh, which was, <laughs> I love it, man. Cause I, I, I don't know about you, but every time I walk down the street and I see people vaping, like in downtown Boston, I just start to laugh because this looks so funny. There's just like this cloud of smoke in front of people. Um, but how do no you know? Yeah. Like, our, yeah. Like, I guess our personal projects important to you. And I guess with the vaping stuff, how did that kind of come about? For sure. Yeah, they, they really are. And, and it was tough because I had a lot of personal projects I had in my mind and that vaping one was one of them, but it was like right around the time that my son was born. And, um, you know, it was, it was really important to me to like be there for my kid. You know, I, I, uh, I, I I knew the first few years of him growing up, I didn't want to be gone all the time. I was still Mm -hmm. shooting a lot, you know, for commercially. So when I had free time, I really wanted to spend time with him because I didn't want him to think back, you know, my dad was always gone out shooting photos. So I put a lot of projects on hold um, that I had in my head. And and that was one of them. I did a few of them. I had some friends that were just vaping and it was the same thing. I'd be outside of a bar with them. And I'm like, there's this constant cloud of smoke (laughs) around your face. It's crazy looking, you know? So um, I did a few of those and and it was one of those things. I had this idea to do a a ton of them, but you know, uh, life and family kind of got in the way at the time. So I haven't done done many more, um, but my son now is just six years old and he's, he's in first grade. So he's kind of in school most of the day. And I find myself having a lot more free time. So like, I've got a whole list of paper of like yeah. projects I want to start. And, and that's one I want to continue on. I got a, a bunch of people I want to shoot doing that. And, uh, yeah. you know, like kind of just like you is something I noticed. That's, that's kind of how my personal projects tend to come along is mm. just something I see here and there. And I'm like, Oh, that'd make a sick project. So. Yeah, definitely. You know, one thing I'd be interested in talking to you about with like personal projects, cause uh, this has kind of happened to me before where I like start a project. I have like an idea in mind of how I want to shoot it and I start shooting it. But for some reason, the photos just don't translate to like what I had in mind. Um, have you ever struggled with a personal project like that? Um, do you kind of just stop shooting it or do you just kind of, kind of grind through it and keep shooting and hope you figure out the project as it goes? Um, is that kind of anything you've ever dealt with, with like a personal project at all? Oh, most definitely. Like I, there's probably been, you know, five or six down the line where, you know, I've done a few photos and gotten one or two things, but then I just realized that there's just not much there. You know, it, it, you, you gotta admit to yourself when, you know, there is time to work through it, but there's also a time where you're like, maybe this idea wasn't as great as I thought it was, you know? (laughs) Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that, you know, just start something else. And, and, uh, I look at personal projects. A lot of times I do kind of sketches with them and, and I, 
do, I try a couple and see like, maybe this might work. And, and if it doesn't, you know, then I move on to something else. Mm. You know, there's no limit to the ideas that you can have, but yeah, you yeah. also don't want to spend two years doing something. And then you're like, Oh man, that wasn't that great. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I've started, I've started and stopped a, a few things. Yeah. No, it's interesting. Yeah. Cause I was like, like, like I was mentioning before we started this, I was shooting this like tennis stuff over the weekend and I was like shooting it. And I was like, in my mind, I was like this, it was like this really interesting space. And I was like trying to shoot. I got some stuff, but this wasn't what I thought it was going to be. So it is interesting to hear that other people kind of have those similar problems, I guess. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's just, the main thing is just shoot as much as you can. Uh, just hopefully you get some good stuff, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, one project, uh, not project, but a uh, photo shoot I was interested in talking about is you photographed Steve-O from Jackass. And it was, it looked like the photos are intense. It was, I think it was back when he was still like doing drugs and drinking. Uh, cause there's like a photo you shot of him. He's like sitting in his kitchen. This is like, there's like a bong and then there's like beer bottles everywhere. And then you photographed him like blowing fire, doing a backflip. Uh, how was your experience photographing Steve-O? Yeah, Steve-O was a sick one. It, it, uh, this, this was for Spin. Like Spin for me was like my my heyday like it was the perfect magazine and photo editors combination with me and like uh, it pretty much you know if i go through my portfolio and i pick 10 photos eight of them are going to be from spin because like i just i loved working for them and they they hired me to do like you know just really cool people and they didn't give me a lot of direction they let me do whatever i wanted and they, the photos came out great and steve was one of those shoots um i met him at his house uh, we had a lot of mutual friends cause he's involved in skateboarding and, mm -hmm. and, uh, I know a lot of people in skating too. So we kind of knew some similar people and we met at his house and like that, that picture of him sitting in his kitchen counter, like all those beer bottles, the bong, all that shit was not set up at all. That's literally how I walked into his house. Like <laughs> it looked like the gnarliest party the night before. And I think that's just like a regular Wednesday for that guy back then. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I, he didn't do, you know, any of that shit while we were shooting, but you could tell like that dude he was parties like a, hard. Oh yeah. And, uh, so he wanted to, you know, we, we shot that portrait inside his house and then he wanted to do the, the backflip fireball. It's like one of his signature moves where he, <laughs> he, he lights his hand on fire and he does a backflip and he shoots a fireball and he wanted to do it in his apartment and do this apartment. The ceilings are maybe 10 feet high. And I'm like, there is no way we're doing that in this apartment. We will burn down this building. I'm not doing that. So uh, he's like, oh, we can get up on the roof. And I'm like, okay, cool. Let's go on the roof. So we went on the roof and, you know, he, he, he takes like, you know, whatever. It's a hundred, hundred proof ethyl alcohol. And he fills his mouth up with it and he lights his hand on fire. And then he does a backflip and he, he blows the fire. I think I had him do it like three times. Damn. And the third time there's like a big puddle of alcohol on the floor. And when he lands that catches fire. So the whole like roof is on big fire. area of the roof of roof of the building is on fire. Jesus Christ. And like, there's, there's like a good like second where I'm like, that's it. My career's over. I just burnt down a building in Hollywood, California. Like Holy this fuck. is it, you know, <laughs> but he's, he knew what he was doing and he grabbed my, I think it was my stand bag and he just started beating the fire out and he got it out, you know, in time. And, uh, you know, that, that ended up being the photo that spin ran of him doing the back, not him putting out the fire, but him doing the backflip. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that was a super cool one. Like, uh, Corey Jacobs, who was the photo editor at, at, um, 
at spin her and like uh prim and lisa corson they, they were just like my favorite people to work for it was mm. such a fun time it was like you know two two to three years where every shoot was just amazing yeah yeah, I, yeah, I had to ask about that one because I knew there was probably a good story with Steve because <laughs> he's so crazy. Uh, For sure, yeah. But I guess you know one thing I was kind of curious, getting your perspective on being that you live in LA, a lot of magazines um, are based in New York City. Um, do you feel like it's harder to stay on their radar when you're in LA, or how do you kind of keep keep your name out there? Like, how do you keep uh, top of mind all those photo editors? You think? I mean, it's kind of a mixed bag. When I first moved out here, honestly, I felt like it was easier. Like my, you know, most of my friends moved to New York City from RIT. You know, uh, mm. my friend Craig Holt and Mark Williams and Sarah Hirokawa and you know all these people I went to school with that were amazing photographers, but they couldn't get a break in New York because there's just so many photographers in New York City. It's it's True. you know more than anywhere else in the world. Mm -hmm. So when I moved out to LA, especially with the magazine industry thriving, like I felt like it was super easy to get going because there just wasn't as much, you know, competition. Um, and you know, the entertainment industry is out here. It's always going to need photography. Um, and it's gotten, it's gotten more competitive, so it's not as easy as it used to be, but you know, I used to go to New York, you know, like two or three times a year just to show my book and stuff like that. And and now I don't do it as much just because, like I said, I have sick clients and yeah. I also, you know, um, you know, just don't, you can point people to your website and kind of does the same thing. Yeah. Although, you know, to this day, I think, you know, meeting with someone in person is going to be the best thing you can ever do, mm-hmm. you know, just because, you know, they, these people really need a feel for who you are before they send you out. And, um, yeah. that's, that's a big one, you know, like knowing that, you know, I'm going to send this person to go, you know, represent the magazine and, and mm-hmm. he better be, you know, easy to get along with, you know? Yeah. So, um, I still try to do it as much as I can, but it's definitely harder now, you know, with the family and being busy and stuff like that. But yeah, do you I love st- New York. Do, do you still keep like a printed book or do you, how do you kind of show your work these days? If you're going to show uh, your work in person, do you still have like a printed portfolio or what are you using? Uh, I, yeah, I'm always a big believer in the printed portfolio. This showing the iPad always just, you know, it just seems like you should just be looking at my website, you know? Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I like printed books and, and, but I mean, I feel like the last time I went to New York, I think it was, you know, last year, yeah. maybe been the year before last, everyone I showed my book, they're like, Whoa, you brought a printed portfolio. It seems <laughs> get like it's getting rarer and rarer, you yeah. know, but, um, yeah. you know, nothing's better than prints and it, it you know, prints are actually more recent less expensive now than they've ever been mm-hmm. you know back in the day when when i would go to new york i was printing my entire portfolio myself and renting a color dark room and it cost me a fortune oh, you yeah. know? And, it's, a, it's a lot <laughs> and yeah and nowadays you can you know go to adorama or any of these places and it's like you know 11 by 14 for four dollars or something you know and they're like good prints and mm-hmm. so I, i'm a big believer in printed portfolios yeah, I agree. And uh, a couple more questions, I'll let you go. Um, but one I mentioned before um, we set this up, I was really interested in hearing about um, you photographed the legendary skateboarder Heath Kerchart. Um, how did that come about? Because I, th- I, I mean, I know you've shot some skateboarding, but um, I, did you shoot like a lot of skateboarding or how did it kind of come up that you, you ended up shooting, I think, an ad for America for Heath Kerchart? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, that, I guess I didn't get into that. So right around the time when like, you know, the editorial stuff was popping off and I was really getting a ton of work. Um, you know, like, like I said, I was dating Amanda Friedman, but we broke up. And so, you know, I'm like this single guy living in LA shooting all this 
you know, commercial and editorial work. And uh, what I was doing on all my free weekends was going skating. I really got back into skating like crazy. Hmm. And um, I, I had a couple friends from Rochester who had moved out here to get sponsored. Uh, Greg Lang and Jason O'Dell, they were like the big, you know, the best skaters in, at RIT. Yep. And uh, they came out here to, to try to make a go at like being pro and stuff. So I hit those guys up because I didn't know anybody else to skate with. And I uh, started skating with them on weekends. And um, Jason O'Dell was living with a kid named Anthony Acosta. Oh, yeah. And uh, Ant- Anthony was really good at skating. Like he was fully filming for videos and shit like that. And, um, so I met Anthony and and him and I got along great. Like we became best of friends and he's super into photography. He was all interested in like, you know, my lights and my camera gear and stuff like that. And, uh, I'd never really like thought about shooting skating to make money, you know, but as I was doing the editorial work, I, you know, it got into my mind, like maybe I could shoot skateboarding too. Mm. And I could meet, you know, some, some of my heroes, you know, like it it wasn't like I was trying to make a living at it. I just wanted to meet some pros, I guess. Yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) So, um, Anthony hooked me up with a bunch of people. He knew a lot of people in the industry. And, uh, one of the guys he knew was, um, this filmer named Heath Brinkley, who was filming for city stars and city stars was, um, Kareem Campbell's company and Kareem Campbell was like, my hero at the time yeah so i started shooting with like him and kareem and kareem's team was like insane it was like all these little kids that were like the future of skateboarding it was like paul rodriguez mike taylor and Mm -hmm. spanky so i started shooting with all those guys and then at the same time um i met this girl named bethany black who was she became like my main assistant, like one of my best friends. And she was like traveling the world with me, not the world, but country with me shooting, um, you know, editorial stuff and whatnot. And, uh, her boyfriend was the team manager for America. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so she told him that I wanted to shoot skating. So he started hooking me up with the America people. So I was shooting with like Brian Herman and Braden Safransky and, um, Keith Kirchart. And when he hit me up to shoot with Heath, like, dude, Heath for me was like a god. Like, uh, oh, yeah. I grew up just idolizing that dude, you know? Yeah. And the cool thing about Heath was, like, um, Heath didn't like to shoot. He didn't like people watching him skate. Like, he would do these crazy stunts, but he didn't like people around. So he'd want to do them at, like, 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was pretty cool. Like, you'd meet up with him at, like, 2 in the morning. And then, like, you know, like, uh, the one the one story you're talking about, the the photo you're talking about, we met up at his house at two in the morning and then we drove to this school, you know, you're breaking into a school at three in the morning, super sketchy. <laughs> and he wanted, he wanted to skate this, like, I want to say it was like an 18 to 20 stair handrail. And I mean, you know, that's pretty common these days, but back then that was insane. Mm. And like, you know, I had just started like shooting skating really. And like, I was like, man, I better not fucking blow this. Yeah, exactly. So he, um, he told me, he's like, okay, I'm going to try to lip slide it. And then I'm going to try to front board it. And like, he doesn't, he doesn't warm up much. He just did a bunch of kickflips in the the parking lot and he's ready to go. So I had to set up my shit super fast. And like, at the time I was shooting with like, I didn't have normal skate gear. Yeah. I was shooting with like the stuff I shot for magazines. So I had like a Mamiya RZ (laughs) and like pro photo seven B's, you know, like really 
big over the top shit. Yep. So it took me a while to set everything up, but luckily I got it all going right before he did the lip slide. And mm. he did that in like, you know, just a few tries. And I got that photo. I was happy with it, yep. but then he was going to do the front board. And I was like, man, I can't shoot this the same way as the first one. They, they're going to look the same. So I was like trying to figure out where to shoot it from. And there was like a roof kind of above the, the rail. So I climbed up on the roof and I shot down on the rail and that's when he did the front board. And, and yeah, it became like, the poster that they put in with his, his shoe when they sold the Heath Kirchart shoe with America. Damn. And the cool thing about that is the coolest thing about skating is like, I posted that on Instagram a couple of years ago mm. and I had all these people hit me up saying, Oh, I had that poster on my wall. Yeah. Like, you know, like <laughs> that's something that you don't get with like regular magazine photography. People don't just put your photos up on the walls. You know, it's like, it really means something to a lot of people. And it mm. was, it was rad. Yeah. You know, skateboarding for me, it was, like I said, it, it kind of was like a hobby and I had to make a decision because it was conflicting with my other work. It was, I didn't have time to do both. You had to be out in the streets all the time if you wanted to shoot skating. Oh yeah. And, uh, so I made a decision. I was like, you know what? I want to do non-skating stuff. I don't want skating to become a job for me. So mm -hmm. I'd got that poster and I had, had a picture of Kareem Campbell, yeah. uh, in trans world. And those two things were like, okay, I hit those I hit those, those life marks. I'm good. Hell yeah. And, uh, <laughs> that's freaking so, that's so I quit doing it. Yeah. But, yeah. uh, a, kind of a cool thing was that kid, Anthony Acosta, the original guy that introduced me to everybody, mm -hmm. right. When I quit shooting skating, he hit me up and he's like, yo dude, he's like, I think I want to maybe try to shoot skating. And I, he, he was always so into like what I was doing. I was like, dude, you'd be perfect at it. Like you, you know, all these skaters and like you, you're super interested in photography. And, and since then he's like, one of the best skate photographers in the world. Like he works for Vans. He's incredible. Mm -hmm. So like, I'm, I'm super proud of that dude. He's, he's killed it. And, and, uh, you know, he has like shows all over the world. Yeah, no, his work is great. I've followed it for years. He was with like the skateboard mag and like you say, he's like the Vans team, uh, photographer. Um, yeah, I'll definitely, but yeah, Heath Kirchard, anybody listening, I'll, I'll post a link to like Heath Kirch, Heath Kirchard on YouTube. The guy's a freaking animal, but that, that was an awesome story. Uh, but I guess this to kind of wrap up, like, um, I guess you've been doing this a while now. Um, what kind of keeps you going? What kind of keeps you excited about photography? Because as you know, it's really competitive. Um, what kind of keeps you inspired to keep doing this? And uh, where, where you got any goals for your photography moving forward, I guess? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the same things that I've always, I've always liked about it. I still like it to this day. You know, I, I, I want to. I'm going to ride this, this boat as long as it'll take me, you know, like, uh, the, the editorial side of things, like I said, just, you know, always being able to, you know, do new things and meet new people is just that just, you know, I, I, I get excited every time I get a call for a photo job from any magazine. Yep. And, uh, you know, uh, I'd say my goal is just more personal work. You know, like I said, I've, I've put personal work on hold for a while mm -hmm. just to try to be with my family and, and my wife getting sick and stuff. But now that things are chilling out a little bit with that, I, I have so many projects I want to do. And next year I really want to like, you know, change up my website and hopefully have some new projects to put on there. And, yeah. and, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much the goal. Hell yeah, man. Well, uh, Joe, man, I just want to thank you a lot for taking the time to do this. And I guess for uh, people listening, where's the best place to check out your work? Oh, you know, uh, my Instagram, which is at Joe Torino, and then, you know, the good old website, JoeTorino.com. And uh, that's pretty much it. And and real quick, can I can I take a few minutes to, to, to say something? Because I don't get to talk to <laughs> yeah, sure, man. groups of people too often. Say, say whatever you First want. First of all... <laughs> 
first of all, I want to give you props because this, this podcast is great. Photography needs this. I mean, I'm, I'm, I live in Southern California. I spend a ton of time in my car and I love podcasts and I, rem- I don't know how I found your podcast, but I remember, you know, realizing, Hey, I can listen to an interview with, you know, Chris Buck or Frank Ockenfels or Brian Fink. And dude, I was so stoked. Like these are, these guys I really look up to and to hear their thoughts on things. Like you're doing a great thing for the photo community. So keep it up. I love this podcast. Yeah. Thanks man. I appreciate it. I, I love doing it every week. Like I, I, I always just, I always thought a lot of these guys were like, uh, un, unreachable, but uh, the thing I realized is like, you can kind of reach out and talk to pretty much whoever. Cause at the end of the day, all these people I'm interviewing, they're all this big photo nerds like myself and they love photography and people want to talk about it. Um, so I'm glad, I'm glad people are enjoying it. And, uh, thanks so much, man. No, no worries. Yeah. And then, and then real quick, I, I'm going to do a little Oscar speech here. <laughs> I just, uh, I, I want to thank uh, all the photo editors that have ever, you know, given me a shot. I really appreciate it. My career has been so awesome and, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for people who took a chance on me. And I also want to thank anybody who's ever assisted me or helped me out. Cause you know, you can't do this stuff without good help. Mm. And uh, I also want to thank my wife who, you know, it's not easy living with a freelance, you know, photographer, you know, the ups and downs of this business can be really hard oh, yeah. and she's always been supportive and she, she rules. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's my little Oscar speech, but hell yeah. <laughs> thanks, man. Hell, hell yeah, Joe, I appreciate it. And I'll link your website and everybody can go check it out. And, uh, I guess we can just cut it there. Right on Alex. I appreciate it, man. So there you have it. That was the Joe Torino interview. I want to thank Joe so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. It was a real pleasure getting a chance to speak with him about all his work and his experience within photography. Uh, Like I said, I've been a big fan of his work for years. Um, So definitely go check out Joe's website at joetorino.com and also his Instagram at joetorino. He has lots of cool work up there and is always posting up new stuff he's working on. So definitely go check that out. And as always, I'll be having weekly podcasts every Monday on iTunes soundcloud as well as on my website alexgagnephoto.com and on my instagram at alexgagnephoto thanks so much for listening and take care